Welcome to Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Welcome to uh, season three of Dungeons and Drama Nerds. That is wild. I can't believe it's been three seasons. God, I love this show. All right. So welcome to Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Can everyone go ahead and introduce themselves for me? Uh, to start, I am Tess Huth. Uh, I use she, her pronouns, and I will be the GM for this uh, game. I'm Percy. I use he, they, and Z pronouns, and I will be playing the game. I'm Miyako. I use she, her pronouns, and I will be playing the game. My name is Leo Mock. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and he, him, his, and I am playing this dang game. I am Gina, and I will be playing this game. I am John John. I use they, he interchangeably, and I will be playing this game. Thank you, Percy, for starting the trend of I will be playing this game. I probably should not have started it with I'm the game master. <laughs> All right. Um, so for anyone who is listening who does not know, Thirsty Sword Lesbians is a game about exactly that. Uh, lesbians who are thirsty and have swords. It's kind of setting agnostic, so it could be She-Ra, it could be Xena, it could be, I don't know, queer superhero women. I can't think of any lesbian superheroes off the top of my head. Captain Marvel in the most coded way possible, um, if she had a sword. Um, and yeah, uh, it's just, it's fun. It is a fun, upbeat game, hopefully. Um, though saying that, as I said in my interview with Percy a couple weeks ago, I'm sure that saying that is going to make it the saddest game that anyone has ever played. So prepare yourself. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right. So because it's kind of setting agnostic, I'm going to talk about our world a little bit. Uh, I'm going to read the like pitch that I wrote, um, which I've already sent to all the players, but right. just quick little paragraph reading here. It's been years since the growth began. The plants grew faster than we could cut them, pushing up concrete and ripping down buildings. If there were roots under something or seeds or some other dormant breath of life, they arose and tore it down. Grass and fields grew to towering heights. Trees reached miles into the sky. Humanity survived, of course, as it always seems to. Many headed for mountains, deserts, or other areas largely barren of vegetation, carving cities into sheer faces of rock or building shelter on the unsteady foundation of sand. Some others found homes in harmony with nature, making tree houses and vine hammocks and roofs of thatched reeds. Still others took to the sea, commandeering barges and cruise ships or strapping together a city of rafts and other floating materials. And yet, somehow, in a civilization beaten into submission by the very planet it cut down, these horny motherfuckers still find time to flirt. So this is their story, I guess. All right, so that is kind of our world there. I am kind of imagining this as Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts meets like Centaur World meets She-Ra. Um, the new She-Ra, not the old one. Um, basically every Netflix cartoon um, that is like good and queer that is out currently. So um, yeah, it's gonna be cartoony and goofy and also probably got some intense stuff because kids' cartoons often do. I don't think we're gonna use kids' cartoons as our like go-to vibe, because the description did just say horny motherfuckers. So I think um, we're probably not going to lean into Saturday morning cartoons, but that's the world we're living in. One thing I want to stress is that this is a homonormative society. Um, so people are assumed queer and usually are. Um, it is considered polite and proper in this world to ask for someone's pronouns when you meet them. Um, depending on the area, it might even be seen as an act of disrespect if you don't. And many people have some sort of visible indicator of their pronouns. They might have pins, shirts, tattoos, whatever the case would be there. For players, if you are interested in flirting with a character, they will be into your gender. Um, I'm not going to be like, oh, you're playing a she-her lesbian and this is a gay man. Nope, that's not going to happen. In this game, everyone is gay for everybody. One thing that the instructions very clearly note, um, the rulebook clearly notes, 
is your lesbians can't have any pronouns. They can be they, them lesbians, he, him lesbians, um, can be cis, can be trans, can be non-binary. Again, this is a homonormative society. We assume everyone is gay. Everyone is a lesbian. It's going to be really fun like that. Uh, so that is our world rules at this point. Um, so there are five primary areas you could live in, which are the untamed, the frozen, the float, the swings, and the sheer. So does anyone feel like they want to start on the first one, which is going to be the untamed? I can start. Perfect. Thanks, Bianca. Sure. The untamed, the fields and prairies with grass dozens of feet taller than your heads. There are camps of nomadic people who make their homes here, ready to move at any moment in case of danger. And perhaps there is danger in these grasslands, hiding behind the thicket of vegetation waiting to strike. Perfect. Uh, next up, we have the frozen. Anyone feel comfortable reading the frozen? I'll jump in. Thanks, Leah. The frozen. Tundras and ice fields to the far north. There are more permanent homes here with the complex systems of uh, tunnels and walkways connecting them to protect their residents from the elements. But the cold isn't the worst thing in this icy wasteland. Next up, we have the float. I can do that. Thanks, Gina. The float, an island, arguably a continent, of boats and rafts, all strung together where a traditional class structure has managed to stay alive. The upper class live in luxury on the cruise ships, while lower class fishers and other workers live on lifeboats and dinghies tied to one another, trying desperately to stay afloat on a largely unexplored ocean. Who knows what lurks beneath, below. Next up, we have the swings. I'll do it. <laughs> Uh, the swings. In the rainforests and jungles, even in temperate groves, humanity has hung hammocks and built tree houses in the branches for a more idyllic lifestyle. It might be boring, but it's safe. Or so we think. And last but not least, uh, the shear. Uh, the shear. Chipped away into the faces of mountains, a city made of tunnels and carved rock houses a rigid society which has strict rules for survival. Those punished for breaking the rules can be seen strewn about the craggy waves below. Of course, the authoritarian structure isn't the only thing to fear, as the caverns stretch deep into the mountains. Awesome, y'all. All right. So, uh, for our listeners and our players, we have not decided where this takes place. Um, so, this is kind of the sandbox, the world that we're playing in. With all that said, what area stood out to you of these five? What area are you like this is home or this is where we start. I kind of like the uh, the untamed because it's like it's hard to see. So you don't you don't know who's going to be around the next corner. I also like the I like the untamed and I like the frozen because I think tunnels are cool. I have been fascinated with entire boat communities since I was a child. So I love the float. <laughs> I love the float and I love the untamed. There's something about the float and the class structures that's really interesting and the untamed and the fact that they're always ready to move. That's really cool. I'm also very into the untamed and I'm especially into seeing what it means for characters to like have originated in one and then have chosen to make a home in the other. Awesome. That's perfect. Um, so it sounds like we mostly are leaning towards untamed. So I think we're going to at least start there. Um, that does not mean that's going to be where we are the whole time. Um, but we're at least going to start there. And as part of your backstory, I will ask, like, are you from here? Are you from somewhere else? Um, second question, um, what kind of conflict are you all looking for in this story? Um, based on what we've kind of set up, we've got a couple different options. There's like the person versus person. So a specific person or people are threatening your way of life or you specifically. A person versus society. The systems are unjust and they must be toppled. Or person versus nature. Um, there's something lurking in the flora and the flora itself might be in danger. Something like that. It can be a combination of these. But are any of these like, yes, this is what I'm looking for specifically? I'm kind of interested in person versus nature specifically for this environment. I think that'd be pretty cool. 
Also, I see a fair bit of nodding. With that said, I know some people don't love megafauna, um, giant animals. So like either giant animals that are not normal, not animals that you see around us, or just giant versions of the animals around us. Is anyone like, no, megafauna is not my thing. I'd rather be dealing with like normal sized tigers as opposed to tigers the size of houses. I feel pro megafauna personally. All right. So we're looking at person versus nature, at least again to start and uh, dealing with megafauna as well. All right. Now that we've kind of established this part of the world, uh, this is where you all start to get creative. What I want everyone to do at this point, we're going to go around twice. I want you to define one thing that is true about this world. It can be anything. It can be as simple as like, the dirt is edible here. Or it can be like, the Queen of England is still alive and is the only one in a palace. Like, literally any piece of information is perfect. So um, can everyone define, we'll start with one, we'll go around and then we'll circle back and do a second one. I will say that fruits, especially stone fruits, are considered generous gifts. Uh, I will say that everyone takes off their shoes when they come in the house. I want to say the leader of each of these places, the untamed, the frozen, etc. I think each of them has a unique sword that is passed down to them as a sign of their leadership. I will say that dogs are friends to humans in this world. I think that in this world, funeral rites are really important and that every sort of region has their own really specific and really um, culturally important funeral rite. Thank you for that first round, everyone. Uh, when you have a second idea, feel free to jump in. Um, I will say that in the Untamed in, in particular, Fire is held as very sacred and also very dangerous because it can spread really quickly. So the use of fire is very uh, controlled. I will say that dolphins are enemies in this world. <laughs> <laughs> I think that in this world, it's everyone is very gossipy and there's lots of like rumor mongering and lots of like uh yeah just like chatting about what other people are up to there's very much that like small town energy regardless of the actual size of the settlement i think there are regular sized dogs and seals that are used as the courier animals they have a job and they also get paid i will say that when somebody is injured or sick the community tends to remember the people who don't bring them meals these are fascinating, and I can't guarantee all of these are going to show up in the game. Um, however, uh, I'm sure a large amount of them will. Um, and regardless, the world building is very cool. One question for everyone. This does not really need to be defined if we don't want it to. Um, but the untamed are fields and grasslands, which do appear on every continent. So... Do you all have any preference for if this is the Americas, if this is Europe, if this is Asia? Where about are we if you care to define it? I don't care. Does it need to be on on Earth? Like this could be like a different planet, Grassman? No, that's totally fine with me too. Okay. Perfect. It's undefined potentially on another planet. I love that. Cool. I have one question. Hopefully that won't come up, but I want to define it more. Um, what are funeral rites like in The Untamed? And Percy, you don't have to be the one to define that. It can be anyone. My first instinct, like dramaturgically, is the uh, <laughs> the funeral pyre. If fire is sacred, I think it's returning the ashes to the atmosphere, which then again nourishes the soil. So there is that sort of almost reincarnate sort of cycle of the, the, the living body. Uh, and also, you know, it's a it's that same very controlled use of fire in a very sacred, special place. So I think they need to like, you know, make sure that they have a good encampment. There's a lot of preparation involved to make sure that safety for everyone there, as well as the environment around them, is, is protected. Can I sprinkle something onto that? 
this is me somewhat blatantly stealing from a video game, but that's okay. I think maybe also when you are like a child in the untamed, you pick like a specific seed for a flower or a kind of plant that feels like important to you. And then when you die, they plant those seeds like at the site of your funeral pyre. And then there's like a, like a reincarnation sort of vibe to that. I love that. I want that when I die. Huge same. Awesome. I uh, really hope that that does not come up. But it's interesting world building. Um, Percy looks horrified. I forgot about how much I love playing with Percy uh, because Percy's facial reactions are so good every time we play. Uh, God, I miss this. For the listeners, we did just take a quick break uh, and we are back. Um, Over the break, we were discussing some reality shows and I have decided that this season is going to be the F-Boy Island uh, Love After Lockup of actual play podcasting. So um, <laughs> that's what you're getting in for, friends. <laughs> Let's see which of our player characters end up being F-Boys and which of them end up not being F-Boys. And if anyone ends up in jail, let's go. Oh no, Percy just said, I'm screaming because of the character I just made. And I'm so excited. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, So let's go ahead and do some character intros, y'all. Start with telling me your name, like your personal name and your pronouns, if you're comfortable sharing those, your character's names and your character's pronouns. And... Uh, the playbook, general backstory. I don't need to know what moves you chose or anything at this point. Um, so just, you know, general backstory. Who is this person? What's their zodiac sign? You don't actually have to tell me that. I'm not going to know what it means. I know nothing about the zodiac signs. But um, yeah. All right. Um, who is Diane to go first and introduce their lesbian? I mean, I can go first. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint John John. She's not an F-boy bus driver. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, although I'm also putting a pin because I, I'm not doing what you asked. I'm just talking. I'm so sorry. Um, I would love to some help in figuring out what public transit in this world looks like because um, I don't want to just decide. Um, but I'm operating from the assumption that it's train related. Uh, but uh, I'm Percy, I use he, they, and Z pronouns, and I'm playing Adelaide, who uses she, her pronouns. Uh, Adelaide is a spooky witch. Um, Adelaide fucking loves trains and is a train conductor. Uh, Adelaide has a focused demeanor because she's so focused on trains. Um, she has created her own train conductor uniform. There is no official uniform, but she's like, this is my train uniform. Um and has, instead of one sword, has two railway spike, like, daggers. Um, uh, And I know you said not to, one of the moves that I chose is Eerie Companion. So her Eerie Companion is her her faithful ghost dog. Uh, Important question. Um, Actually, several important questions here um, about Adelaide. One, what does the train conductor uniform look like? Um, it's a really elaborately embroidered sash that has a lot of like flowers and things on it. Yeah, that's what I'll go with for now. And then like a very like, I don't know if they have like irons, probably not, but like it's a very like uh, plain and clean and like, yeah, like shirt and pants underneath the very elaborate sash. Second question. Um, what is the ghost dog's name? Um, I think the ghost dog's name is Pepper. Perfect. Does anyone have any questions for Percy and Annalide? Does Pepper wear a matching uniform? Yes, absolutely. <gasps> but I, Yay! Think, I think maybe only I can see him. Yeah, its assistance is always obvious and alarming to ordinary people. So I think only I can see Pepper's uniform. But of course, Pepper wears a matching uniform. Is this work something that was like a job held by your family or are you the first generation to hold this or like how did how did Adelaide find this work? If I can make a bold move, I think um, I think Adelaide's family 
invented the public transit system in the untamed. So it's like very much like a family legacy that she is carrying forward. Excellent. Are these self-propelled trains? Like, are they like on a track? Can they be steered independently? I feel like they have to be on tracks um, in order to be true. But I, um, I, I think they're like the um, like the old fashioned ones that you like have to like. There's the little levers that you have to like push up and down to get it to move. <laughs> um, and part of uh, Adelaide's relationship with the unseen is that they like let her know if anything is like on the tracks up ahead and she's got to stop. And I also think there's like, I think maybe like things are built so that the tracks make sense where they are. And like, there's no spot that's not like, that doesn't have access to the, to the transit system. And I also hope and pray that the courier dogs of the untamed ride on the train to go deliver their messages. <laughs> Do the Unseen ever do the levers for Adelaide? Or is it all just her, like, getting swole, just pumping iron at this, you know, propulsion system? I think she tried having them do the do the lever, but they liked to play too many pranks. Um, <laughs> so she was like, no, we can't do this anymore. Perfect. Any other questions for Adelaide? I have one. Just... Is Adelaide happy with the way transit is right now? Or is there, does she think there's room for improvement? Um, I think she has big dreams for like expansion, but is not like unhappy with what there is, but it's just sort of like, oh, like what if we like tamed the large birds nearby and like, <laughs> you know, um, like dreams very big about it. Perfect. All right, if we don't have any uh, other questions for Adelaide, would anyone like to introduce uh, their character next? Uh, I can go next. So uh, my character is Malta Regina. Uh, she, her pronouns, Malta Regina is the former leader of an infamous band of brigands and carousers who will kind of stalk an area and uh, accost passengers in and out of the, you know, the passes to the area until that route is kind of dried up or it becomes too dangerous for them to operate. And then the band will like move somewhere else. So Malta Regina has seen a lot of the different, uh, different regions of, of the world, but has decided to call um, this region her home. Cause that's where she originally grew up. Um, and one day she got into a battle with some random do-gooder and fell in love and uh, decided to change her ways. But the the lovely do-gooder ended up uh, passing away, unfortunately. So she's she has her her ex's uh, sword uh, and so uses that as like, you know, this is my reminder to always do to always do good in the world. So awesome. Did this band of miscreants, I'm going to call them for the moment, uh, have a name? Um, They were the... Is it too inappropriate to call them the Regina Dentata? <laughs> <laughs> the Regina Dentata. <laughs> Hold on, I'm writing that down for one moment. All right. I'm so sorry. I got so distracted by that answer. I forgot my next question. Um, such a good answer. Um, you said this is where she grew up. Uh, are, does she have any connections around here still? Um, I think her her mom still lives in the area, but they don't talk. All right. Any other questions for Malta Regina? What does your sword look like? Uh, so her sword is is like one of those big, fat anime swords that's like taller than it is <laughs> than she is. Yeah. What's the most unique thing she's done with her sword? Um, so with her sword, the most unique thing she's ever done is she's chopped down a tree with one stroke with her sword. 
Um, but that was when she was really angry after after her her love died. She was like, ah. So that's extra impressive because we've established that trees are like a mile tall. So like yeah. <laughs> she chopped through like yeah, she chopped through like a room of a house. That's so impressive. I'm terrified of her and also maybe in love. What does Walter Regina do in her like free time? Like, does she have any hobbies? <laughs> yeah. So when she's not brooding, she really <laughs> likes um, crochet. She likes crochet and she likes word puzzles because it keeps her brain sharp. Does she keep that a secret from other people or is that like a thing she's she, open about? She keeps the crochet secret because she likes to crochet little stuffies and she doesn't want anybody to find her stuffy collection because people think she's soft. But the word, the word game, she's very proud of because she wants people to be impressed by her mental acumen as, mm -hmm. as well as her strength. It's like a, it's a little bit, it's like a threat. Yeah. <laughs> my mind's as sharp as my blade. Phenomenal. Um, what was the thing that she did as a criminal that she regrets the most? I think she really regrets taking people's personal items because like, you know, gold and jewels and whatever is fine. But she, you know, if it's somebody's locket with their picture of their mom or like the horse that they really came to love, she feels a little bad about that now. Awesome. All right. Uh, let's go on to someone else who is feeling that they want to share. I'll talk a little. Um, hi. I'm Leo, my pronouns are they, them, theirs, and he, him, his, and I am playing Rugosa. Uh, Rugosa accepts all pronouns, or you can just call Ru, Ru. Um, Ru is a champion of salt. Uh, Ru's ancestors were in the plains at the time of the growth, and then took to the far seas and developed a, um, a very like cult-like religious sect around salt and around the idea that once one day they would overtake the growth with salt by salting the land from the seas um, and has grown up deep in this belief that uh, one day Rue would be the champion of the salt uh, and defeat the growth back. Rue wears a, a thick armor of like pattern welded Damascus steel that um, every time it breaks down, Rue just adds more metal and welds it over again. Um, Rue has like a rusted claymore uh, called Ox uh, that they that Rue wields, sort of similar to like. <laughs> I'm thinking of sort of the the Kuat Milat of Star Trek, uh, where Rue can, Rue is like ultimately devoted to the cause of salt, but if someone brings to them a deep grudge, uh, a deep resentment that they cannot or will not release, Rue will pledge Rue's service to their cause. Thank you, Leah. Did they have a, like, plan for assaulting the Earth? Or was it just like a, it will eventually happen, It we will be guided to it? Like, how, like, grounded in reality was this sect? Not at all. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Rugosa has been raised with the belief that one day the salt waters will will guide the chosen people back to the land. So essentially, they've been gathering salt for many generations and have like barges full of salt <laughs> that they are just storing ready to, um, to salt the earth. Uh, Rue has been raised with this belief that um, they are a chosen one. They don't really know if there are other chosen ones or if it's just them or like what the deal is. They're kind of like, surely this isn't all on me, but also if it's all on me, I got this. But it's not like a super concrete plan. Basically, Rue is waiting for a sign 
And Rue doesn't know what that sign is, but they'll know it when it happens. Amazing. Any questions for Rugosa? Are there any like rituals or rites that the this the people of the salt engage in? Oh yeah. We um we love our dried meats, our dried fish. We we are heavily offended when food is under seasoned. It's like a big deal, especially if you bring food to someone else's house and it's under seasoned. Um, some people will do that on purpose to name that there is a grudge between houses. My God, I love that pettiness. <laughs> Has Rue ever done that to anyone? Um, yes. When Rue was um, eight years old, Rue went to play at a friend's sort of like boathouse, like a friend's barge. And there, there was an issue of not sharing toy boats. So the next time Rue went over without informing their parents or their guardians, they brought over um, a completely unseasoned raw potato and just <laughs> placed it on the dining room table and stood back and um, watched the chaos unfold between their families. I love her so much. She's so good. <laughs> Any other questions for Rue? Has Rue ever been in love? Yes. Rue falls in love very easily, very frequently. Rue is like love at first sight at least 30 times in their life and like plenty of crushes however he's like very devoted to the cause and is very like it's very much drilled into her brain of like no no like I can fall in love but as long as I never act on it it's okay as long as nothing like actually distracts my body my mind is free to roam all right uh who wants to introduce their character next I will um, okay, uh, so Coney Shiversville uses she, they pronouns. Um, Coney means rabbit, um, also as in Coney Island. <laughs> I'm, very, <laughs> I'm from Brooklyn. Um, so she is from the water, actually. She's from the floats, and but she doesn't like to stay in one place. Um, and so has traveled around and really just um, goes wherever their heart takes them and loves people and loves to like fall in love, but does not stay in one place to pursue the blooming of that love to protect their heart. So she also enjoys getting into to scrapes and fights although they try not to do that um but it's a hard habit to kick and she's got a really awesome sword she's actually got two one of them is for like fighting and one of them's for looking really cool um and uh that's uh who that is that's coney i'm really interested in this sword to look cool what does that sword look like um, it's pretty impractical in terms of use. Um, it's, it's very sharp and thin, um, and has a very heavy handle. And the heavy handle has what you would think might be gold and jewels and gems, but they are all plastic and it's heavy because it's just like when you bedazzle something with that many like things it's just gonna be heavy um and the sword is really just like thin and isn't made to penetrate anything it's just made to like look like it could but it can't she made it herself perfect does coney openly talk about the fact that she is from the floats yes Absolutely. Um, it's something that they like to talk about, like that's what made them and that's where they came from. And so it, it kind of like is like everything that she talks about is like that. 
Um, but then they also like to talk about like everywhere she's been in the world, um, which has been a lot of places. Are there any of the areas from earlier that she has never been or is there anywhere specifically that she wants to go? The only place she hasn't been is the Frozen and it's the only place she's scared of but they want to go because they're not scared of anything actually but also she's really scared. Uh, And one more question from me. I'm so sorry there's so many questions because this character is so interesting. Um, How long has uh Coney been in the Untamed? They've just come to the Untamed. So they've been to the Untamed before, but they haven't been for a few years. Um, So they're fresh there for a second time. And the last time they stayed there, they almost fell in love. All right. Any other questions for Coney? Does Coney have any scars they're particularly proud of? Oh, yes. Coney loves their scars. They have one that is on their um, right under their shoulder on their right side that they really like because it's almost in the shape of a a dagger in their mind. I mean, really, it doesn't look like a dagger, but they really think it does. Um, and they got that just because they were walking and hit themselves into a, a tree. But, you know, they won't admit that they got it in a sword fight they 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 act like they did but um Coney doesn't really like to lie but she'll like dance around it and try to tell a story to like embellish so but that's like her proudest scar all right and I think if I'm not wrong we just have one more uh player to introduce that character yeah that's me uh yeah, it was me all along. I, uh, I'm John John, uh, the final lesbian. John John, uh, they, he pronouns interchangeably. And I am playing the Seeker playbook. Uh, and I've named her Nymeria Wu. Uh, see, she is a Virgo, I think. She's very tightly wound. Uh, I went with the guarded demeanor and foreigner's clothes. I think I want her to be like very like, like that very traditional style of like Chinese beauty, right? Where they're thin and very pale and wear that chi pao, very like traditional. Uh, because I selected that she came from a heteronormative patriarchal enclave uh, that I named the Conclave of the Allfather because I wanted it to be really gross. Um, so yeah, so she comes from a very heteronormative patriarchal culture. So she was trained to be like very dainty, very all these like stereotypically feminine things because that's the ideal that 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 cult uh, aspires to and uh as a result i think her only friends have actually just been swords (laughs) um so i I said she has an ancient sword and i think she has like her family's uh jan style sword which she named falling camellia and then she's got her own personal short sword named wild dandelion and she's got a hidden dagger that she keeps on her thigh named Sweet Hibiscus. And those, and she talks to them, and they're her friends, because uh, she hasn't had many other friends. I have no idea where the conclave is. It can be from wherever. And my initial idea was the floats because of the class divide. And this seems like some, she seems like a very high class character to me. So I think maybe it was like high class from the floats and is on like an exchange program or something, which is why she's in the Untamed. I missed the name of the short sword. I got Falling Camellia and Sweet Hibiscus. What was the short sword's name? Uh, Wild Dandelion. Wild Dandelion. Thank you. So Dandelion is a bisexual flower and uh, was also uh, very interested in, you know, coming up in a heteronormative society, but being a dual wielder, as we know, is, uh, we know that's queer culture. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Has Nymeria ever questioned this lifestyle did rather did she before she came to the untamed no like i think she is very sheltered and very like i think i picked the one covenant i think they're called or one uh commandment that's like never go unchaperoned or at all with a certain type of person nice yeah, and um, then like always cover your sinful body and all those ones. So I picked I picked some gross ones. 
we love breaking someone out of the heteronormative society they grew up in. Is there like an escort with her from the conclave? Or is she like actually on her own here? I feel like there would be an escort from the conclave. Uh, probably an older acolyte, <laughs> I guess. Excellent. Uh, how heavily do you want them to play into this story? Uh, I don't think they have to be very heavily involved. Cool. As only I, you know, the, the stipulation is always like whenever it's most dramatically interesting. Excellent. Um, is she trained in sword fighting? Or is it just like these are her friends because they're there? I think she's trained in sword fighting in the way that like nobility and gentry like trained in like a traditional martial art. So like whether or not she's actually effective in combat, she can look really good doing the moves, but whether or not they're practically useful is uh, is another thing entirely. Awesome. All right. Uh, any questions for Nymeria? Um, does Nymeria maybe speak another language than, than the other people? I think so. In the conceptualization, I've been very much playing around with like Asian American. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, so I think bilingual <laughs> to uh, go along with it, I think would be fitting. And Wu being a traditionally Mandarin surname, so probably Mandarin. Does Nymeria have some kind of like um, betrothed or like, like, is there like a plan for who she's going to marry or be with? Or is that like an open question still? You know what? I think, again, the most dramatically compelling answer is yes. I think there is a, a husband to be that she's never met. Ooh. Like an arranged marriage situation. Mm-hmm. Is there an aspect of traditional femininity in Nymeria's culture that she finds genuinely euphoric or freeing? I think she likes dressing up. I think she likes like putting on the makeup and like and wearing the cool clothes. And I think that comes with the privilege as well, right, of that culture being like, oh, well, I've always had access to the finest clothes and the the highest quality makeups and perfume. So, of course, it's something I think she enjoys. Yeah, there's a, I think I have a move that's all around explaining, like, uh, what's it called? It's not that bad, or it wasn't that bad, something like that. Yeah, it wasn't all bad. And so, like, basically, when I spout lore, I can go on and what, talk about what it was like back home. And I think one of them is like, if you roll well, you have, you make, you lie about it <laughs> to make it sound better than it was or something. So I'm very excited for that. Perfect. Uh, our next session, section here is going to be their relationships with one another. So um, basically what we're going to do is we're going to go around. Each person is going to answer one relationship question. And then after you answer that relationship question, the next person will go and we'll keep cycling through. Uh, and then we'll come back to your first one and everyone answers three Probably just going to go alphabetically here by character type. So who do we see first? Looks like the infamous. Oh, I'm sorry, no, it's the devoted. Um, so you can answer any of those three, like the them in any order. Uh, so which question do you want to answer first? Since Rugosa and... Nymeria are both generally from Floatland. I think I think Rugosa has saved Nymeria from a terrible fate. Do you think it was before you all got to the Untamed when you were on the float? I think so. I, I think that Rugosa could have potentially been hired as like a sort of heavy escort for Nymeria in the journey to the Untamed. Perhaps there was some kind of mishap while they were still on the waters that Rugosa has generally grown up like in the deep waters, like outside of the civilization of the float, that they had some skills to navigate. If dolphins are evil, did you save me from a dolphin? <laughs> I think so. I think 
Ragosa probably saved Nymeria from at least one dolphin, if not an attack of dolphins. What's a group of dolphins called? It's an attack now. It was, it was world, a pod, an but now it's dolphins. an attack. <laughs> a violence of dolphins. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the infamous. Okay. So my question is, whom have I wronged the most? And do I, they know it was you? Um, I'm going to say probably Adelaide. Yeah. I feel like I, I feel like maybe I've, I've, uh, held up one of your, your train, uh, <laughs> cars or, or maybe multiple times. Maybe it's just like, Hey, Adelaide, I'm taking your stuff now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's devastating. Just like, uh, just like all your passengers. It's like, you guys know the drill. Here we go. Um, and I mean, yeah, probably, you probably know as me. <laughs> Wait, do you have like a do you have like a terrible mask that you wear? Yeah, I have thing? a really bad mask, <laughs> or I have like a I have a cloak that's Ooh. really great, but it keeps slipping back. Uh huh. Yeah, and it's like, like pretend you didn't see that. Yeah, I, I hope the train has like a. It's been four days since Malta Regina. <laughs> <laughs> Perfection. Incredible. Let's see, who do we have next alphabetically? I know the alphabet. I'm so good at everything. Um, it looks like a scoundrel is going to be next. It's for a scoundrel. Go ahead and answer one of the relationship questions. All right. So who were you smitten with until recently? I think if there is consent, I w was smitten with Adelaide until recently. Oh my god, what happened? Then I was getting a little too in love. It was feeling a little too real. Those trains go all over the place. I just couldn't, I couldn't deal. So I was ran away. Uh, you said you've been to the Untamed before and uh, you got too in love uh, and now you're freshly back. Was Adelaide the love that you left the last time? Or is it someone else? It was someone else. Okay. It was someone else. but And that's why I left The Untamed. And I didn't think I'd find that again. And can't believe that it happened. It's like, again? Really? <laughs> so that's that's my general feeling. Perfect. Let's go with our seeker. So I think my model for local customs would be Adelaide also. <laughs> so I think I'm going to be looking to Adelaide for social and parasocial cues. Amazing. Uh, and last but not least, for our first round of questions, our spooky witch. I want to first say that I think it's really funny that Adelaide is the is the benchmark for social cues because, like, canonically, the spooky witch is like the weirdo that nobody that nobody likes. Um, I love it. <laughs> I am gonna go out of order, and I'm gonna say that my touchstone for what normal is is Rugosa, because I'm like there's a person who's really like committed to a cause like everybody's got this like thing that they care a lot about and they're trying to do that thing so i'm kind of modeling like i guess trains is my <laughs> is my thing <laughs> so yeah i think i think my touchstone for like normal behavior is rugosa incredible all right let's circle back to the devoted again i think my next question is who looks out for you, even when you don't look out for yourself. And I think that might be Coney, um, because Rugosa is so single-minded, single-gold. Having somebody who is like gone all over the world and like followed every whim and like is is willing to be driven by like human passion is is a reminder of Rugosa's humanity. 
Incredible. Let's go on to the infamous. Who talks to you about things they wouldn't discuss with others because of their past? I think maybe Nymeria, just because Nymeria is really very much an outsider. Um, and I have forced myself to become an outsider to a, a real certain extent. And I, I think I'm really good at keeping secrets. Excellent. Uh, let's go on to our scoundrel. Who replaced them in your desire, referring to who I was smitten with. And I actually think, based on Rugosa's answer, that Rue has replaced Adelaide in my desire. And I'm just trying to protect my heart, and it's not working. Welcome to Cody on FBoy Island. <laughs> <laughs> All I ever wanted, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we've got our seeker. That's me. Uh, it was me all along. Uh, my question is, who is the most outrageous of my new companions? And I think that's a hard one. <laughs> that's really hard. Um, <laughs> but I think in terms of like sheer audacity, if I can interpret it that way, I think it's it's Malta Regina. <laughs> With the, the anime buster sword and the mask and the train heists. Like... <laughs> Like, this one's a criminal. <laughs> so, yeah, here for it. So, yeah, the most outrageous is Malta Regina. Terrific. And our spooky witch. The question is, who thinks you're not all that weird? And I think it's actually, I think it's Malta Regina, because I think this is the most normal interaction that Adelaide has, apparently regularly. Because I think Malta Regina is just like, oh, you're like, a person who might, <laughs> you're like a person whose train I can hold up. Like, I'm treating you like I would anybody else who I'm, <laughs> whom I, you know, whom I would rob. Um, so I think, like, yeah, it maybe is maybe like the only person who is not at least a little bit weirded out by Adelaide's hyperfixation on her occupation. Perfect. And let's circle back one more time. Let's go to the devoted. My last question is. Is another PC an object of your devotion? The short answer is like, kind of no. However, Malta Regina leaves so many grudges <laughs> in her wake that there's something like I'm constantly on Malta Regina's trail <laughs> in a way that like, it's, it's essentially devotion. Like, as much as Rue is like, no, 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 Malta Regina is not the object of my devotion. It is the salt. But, like, I stay on Malta Regina's trail in a way that is, like, essentially devotion. I, I think that Rugosa sees Malta Regina as, like, an apostate of sorts. Excellent. Let's go to our infamous. Uh, who believes in you more than you believe in yourself? That one's hard. I don't know. I feel like maybe Coney. Yeah, because we both are kind of like, I think Malta Regina is also a bit of a heartbreaker. I think that there is there's a little bit of camaraderie there. And and I think that we've maybe like. Split some beers and shared some tears or something. Awesome. All right. Our scoundrel. Uh, so the question is, who has almost as much flair as you? And I was actually thinking it's Malta Regina. Just seems like she's got almost as much flair as me. Terrific. Uh, let's go to Nymeria, our seeker. Uh, who reminds you of home will, I think, obviously be Rue. Excellent. And last but not least, our last question is the Spooky Witch. Um, whom have the unseen warned you about? Which is a juicy question. And I mm -hmm. there are two there are two juicy options that I'm trying to decide between because I think there's some I think there's something that could be kind of I don't know. I'm is it okay if I ask you to help me decide? Mm -hmm. um, great. Um, because I think it's I think it's an interesting dynamic if Nymeria is looking to Adelaide for social cues 
but Adelaide is also like, <laughs> I've received a cryptic warning about you and I don't know what it refers to. So I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know what to do. But I also think it might be it might be juicy if um, if the Unseen have warned Adelaide about Coney and been like, you can't fall in love with this person. And Adelaide's like, but oh, I'm, I'm still so in love with this person and I don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with that because I think it sets up a love triangle, which is always fun. Because I think it's more fun if Nymeria and Adelaide are just like friends. <laughs> if you're okay with being friends, John John. <laughs> Great. I love to be friends. I think it's good for Adelaide to have a friend. <laughs> um, then yeah, then yeah. Uh, the Unseen have, have been like, you can't fall in love with Coney. Um, you know, they're going to break your heart. Um, and Adelaide just hasn't listened. Excellent. Thank you all for those. All right. I think that's kind of all of our general world building and character creation stuff. So anyone else at this point want to add anything to our world, to our characters, etc.? Um, I think I just want to say that I think Malta Regina has, uh, sounds like Natasha Leone. This is a very nice. like smokery voice. I don't know if I can do it, but just imagine. Um, I think that I think I want to play with, um, is that I think Adelaide is autistic. Um, so that's just like a thing to know. I was going to check in on you with check in with you about that after this call to see if that was the direction you wanted to go. So excellent. Um, let's make sure as we navigate that, um, because I am not autistic, um, I want to make sure that we handle that in as true a way as possible. So um, at any point, if we need to stop and reconsider, um, or if at any point we need to stop and I need to do something different, let's go ahead and pause and we'll retake things. But excellent. Thank you, Percy. Sounds good. And just to name, I'm doing it because I'm autistic and that's a thing that I want to explore just to be, just to be clear. Absolutely. I, thinking back at the scar question, I think that, that, um, Coney does have a dagger or scar they think is a dagger, but also I do think that their coolest scar is actually one that is in the shape of a rose, and it's a burn scar that she got when cooking. Stop. Nice. <laughs> does she tell people that that's what it's from? No. <laughs> okay, cool. But again, she doesn't lie, so she'll be like, oh, you don't even, you can't handle the story. <laughs> I have a feeling that Malta Regina is very impressed because she's got a lot of scars, a lot of battle scars. And it's like, wow, Coney, that's intense. <laughs> <laughs> no, did, did you just say it was in the shape of a rose? Yes. Rugosa is a variety of rose. Oh, my God. Coney's going to know that. And he's uh, going to want to write a sonnet. <laughs> um. And I was just about to say that Rugosa is like a combination of like Brienne of Tarth and like revolutionary girl Utena. Ah, nice. Fantastic. Um, so that's kind of our whole game at this point. Can everyone just go around one more time and say your character's name and your character's playbook? Malta Regina, the infamous. Nymeria Wu, the seeker. Adelaide, the spooky witch. Coney Shiversville, the scoundrel. Rugosa, the devoted. Perfect. All right, everyone, thank you so much. Um, and I'm excited to start playing with everybody. Dungeons and Drama Nerds is produced by Todd Brian Backus, Percival Hornack, and Nicholas Orvis, and is mixed and edited by Anthony Sertel Dean. Our Thirsty Sword Lesbians campaign features Gina Famia as Coney Shiversville, Nieko Gavia as Malta Regina, Percival Hornack as Adelaide, John John Johnson as Nymeria Wu, Leo Mock as Rugosa, and this game is Game Mastered by Tess Huth. 
If you'd like to help us continue exploring the intersection of theater and tabletop role-playing games, consider leaving us a review on your podcast app of choice or supporting us and getting access to our patron-only bonus content at patreon.com slash dungeonsanddramanerds. You can find our social media and website links, including our cast bios, at the link tree in our show notes. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Dungeons and Drama Nerds. Thank you.